For the third straight week, the Seattle Seahawks defense put on their hard hat, grabbed their lunch pail, and went out onto the football field and provided a Herculean effort. They were great throughout the course of this game, helping the Seattle Seahawks to slide away with a 20-10 victory, a game that was a lot closer than maybe the final score might indicate. And much like we've talked about these past three weeks with this defense, you're giving kudos out all across the board. Everybody seemingly did their part. Let's just start with the front seven. Boye Mafeg notches himself another sack. I told you a couple weeks ago in that video I made that he was a pass rush sensation in the making. Man's up to four sacks. He's well on his way and still very stout in the run game. Jaron Reed continues to have one of the better starts to the course of his career here with another sack. Again, remaining very active in the run game, providing pressures a couple times otherwise throughout this game too. Mario Edwards Jr., another value signing this offseason, again remains strong against the run and even brought a little bit of pressure along with it. Even Daryl Taylor, who had to fill in for Uchenna Nuosu, who went down to an injury about halfway into this game. Though he wasn't really good against the run in this game, that's part of the reason the Cardinals were able to make a little bit more hay on the ground than other teams had throughout the course of this year so far. He got himself a sack and a half and was able to provide some relatively consistent pressure on his end of things. Then we just keep going back. The linebacking core, Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner, both of these guys have done their part in every single game up until this point this season, and that carried along here now. Both were excellent in the run game, good tacklers as they ever are, great in pursuit, smart in the way they were playing. You didn't see them getting misdirected a whole hell of a lot. They provided a little bit of pass rush in those times that you did ask them to blitz, Brooks coming away with a half a sack in this game. Brooks also continuing to look more better. More better is not the way to put it. Be improved as far as in his coverage. This is a guy that has been really a weak link in this defense throughout the course of the early part of his career in his ability to cover anybody. I don't care if we're talking about tight ends, receivers. He's really struggled and really struggled at times in zone. Today made a play on the ball to knock it free. He's looked improved in that realm throughout the course of this season. That man is making himself a lot of money now as he's about to head into a free agent year with every one of these really good to almost close to great performances he's been putting together here in the last few weeks especially. And it's been awesome to see from the former first round pick who hadn't quite reached to expectations prior to this season and where people thought he might be able to go as a football player. Now the Cardinals, as I said, were able to run the ball just a little bit in this football game, but that's not as big a problem an issue because you completely shut down the passing attack of the Cardinals all the way around. It was good throughout the course of this game. The Cardinals did score 10 points through the first half, but the defense was sound throughout that first half, sometimes not put in the best positions by the offense. But then the second half came and you didn't allow a single point through that second half. You shut everything down. Joshua Dobbs, the backup quarterback for the Cardinals until Kyler Murray can theoretically get back in there as the starter, was 19 of 33 for 146 yards. He only averaged 4.4 yards per attempt. That is, that's tiny, that's minuscule, that's any bitty. That's a great performance on the back end, but also on the front end as well, because it wasn't just the corners and safeties doing it. The linebackers did their part along with this, but the secondary continued to shine as they have these past couple of weeks. Tariq Woolen did have a holding penalty, gave up a completion, but he was overall, I think, solid throughout the course of this game. And Devin Witherspoon is quickly laying claim to being the solid front runner for the defensive rookie of the year voting. Yeah, I know the East Coast bias is going to come into effect and you can't get around that. But this kid is doing everything anyone could want him to do to say, hey, I'm that guy. He had an interception in this game where he jumps up in a route on a ball where um, the quarterback's arm is hit as he's throwing and Mafe's coming down and hits the arm and then just basically just barely glides, almost like he, almost like Mafe was caressing Dobbs's side of his helmet. And they called that a roughing the passer penalty. 
But it was a clean pick by Witherspoon. Gets called back instead of that. You know, like, then later on in the game, he really slowly disguises and subtly disguises a blitz where he's coming down. Quarterback never sees it coming. The guard actually ends up picking it up. But then he just shows how quick and laterally quick he is. The guard barely gets a hand on him. And the guard's got him heads up at one point as he's coming on the blitz. And then he just flies right past his outside arm. And the guard's just like, whoa, he's fast. Able to get back there. Brings him down for a sack. But... We had, Tariq, we had Tariq Woolen holding on the back end on that particular play, so it got wiped off the board. He was still like he has been everywhere else, though, on the football field when he's not intercepting a ball, when he's not getting a sack, and that being that he's being a factor in the ground game. You're seeing him as a tackler. You're seeing him in coverage tight. I don't know if he gave up a single catch today. Maybe one, maybe two, not for a lot of yards if he did give it up. And then you once again got to see from him in this game how he can hit. I know he's 190 pounds. I know he's only 5'11", but this man brings an absolute sledgehammer on the football field with him. I don't know how he hides it under his jersey. It's just it occasionally comes out and you see the opposition's player go flying. He hit Rondell Moore so hard in this game, Rondell's leg came whipping back as he hit the ground and almost hit himself in the forehead. He smacked him so hard on the play. This kid's a hitter. He's violent. He's a great tackler. He's a great blitzer. He can cover like hell. And he's got ball skills. We got the complete player who, oh, by the way, can also play two positions between outside corner and slot and play them both excellently. Yeah, I think he's got the inside track, Jalen Carter or not, to get in that Defensive Rookie of the Year award if he can keep putting up what he's been doing, which has been just tremendous. This defense, when it started to make its changeover, happened right about the time. When did that occur? When did the line start to go? Yeah, it's when you play the Giants, not a great offense, but it was when Jamal Adams returned back onto this football field. And I know Jamal wasn't able to play all of that Giants game, but he set a tone in that game in certain respects, I might say. And he is certainly helping to bring it all together. I'm not saying he's been some playmaker, difference maker, earning his money, earning the two first round picks they give up for him. I, I know there'll be people t- tearing their hair out in the chat about that. That's just, This is not $18 million worth. But his presence in returning back this lineup, moving Julian Love into the role that they thought and foresaw it, thought that he'd be into in the offseason when they signed him, when he wasn't going to be filling in for Jamal Adams. So now you can move him around, getting Jamal up around the box, letting him be kind of a roving force down there. How often are we seeing this year with Jamal in cover two situations, dropping back to depth like they had in that first season with them when they were still trying to figure out how best to utilize him. He still has remained good as a, in the ground game. He still remained good on the back end when he's asked to cover. He's been a complete player for you here out the jump. He's been a factor, and he's helped out. It's been both him and Witherspoon coming up to full run now after he had that early injury in the in the training camp that's part of what I think has been the final factor to bring this defense together. But these three performances are not mirages. I told you last week, this is not a mirage. You're seeing them put things together and it's not just an offense that's just sort of throwing up on itself and making mistakes. This Cardinal offense today today was not going to make mistakes. They were not going to shoot themselves in the foot. They knew they were limited offensively. They know who they are. This is part of why this team Cardinals have been in every single football game up until this point this, this year. This is why they were able to beat a Cowboy team that probably is going to go to the playoffs because they don't self-inflict on themselves. And that was something that stood out. So you were just going to have to play them well and play them good and play them tight. And Seahawks did that. And they absolutely dominated this Cardinals offense, which is what you'd hope they would do against a team in the Cardinals offense. This isn't the most talented unit, but you still got to go out there and do it. And this Cardinal offense has been decent at times through this year to be at least manageable. So a tremendous performance back to front. I can't really point to anybody being really bad. Dale Taylor had some issues there in stopping the run at times when they went to his side. But aside from that, Everybody was 
tremendous on this. And on the, on the same page, what's standing out really from the early part of the year to right now is early on in the year, you'd see a lot of them trying to communicate post-snap. A lot of guys pointing here and there. You go over there. You over, you're over, you're here, you're back there. And this is after the snap. Now what you're seeing in them is get on the page prior to the snap. Everybody knows where they're going to be. Everybody's in the right place. No more blown coverages. When is the last time you can remember that over the past couple of weeks? We've seen none of that. The communication has been on point. The talent is returned to full and the team and defense is playing at their best. The top end of this defense continues to rise. Their ceiling continues to rise from where we had foreseen it prior to the start of this year. Now, unfortunately, that's the great part that we get to talk about. And the defense certainly did carry this day uh, by and large part. The offense, it started out good. They started out with a couple of drives, working it up the football field, getting some consistency there with the chains getting moved. They got Jackson Smith acclimated in the offense because you were down DK Metcalf and you were down Charbonnet in this game. So you needed other people to rise to the occasion. Jackson Smith started out doing that in the early part. Uh, you had a 30-yard reception down to Jake Bobo that got called back early on as he took the top off the defense again. And then you got Jackson Smith his first touchdown. And so things were looking good for the offense. Like, hey, we're going to cook today. We're going to get right back today off of the performance last week. And then everything just sort of kind of slid slower and slower to a halt as far as offensively speaking goes. You weren't able to get a whole lot done throughout the course of this game absent the opening stanza. There was a couple of consistent drives. You got another drive where you got down and uh, Gino dropped back. And earlier in the game, he had missed Jake Bobo where he had gotten locked in on throwing to JSN on a third down and missed Bobo getting open up over the top. And then you had him come back on this play Bobo's running again, a deep route down into the back of the end zone. And he's probably thinking in the back of mind, you missed him last time. You, give him, you didn't give him a chance last time. He throws it up there, does Gino. Props to him on this. It wasn't a great day from Gino, but a good, a great, great throw on that play because he puts the ball not up, not just over the top, but allows Jake Bobo to make a play on the ball and still have a chance to keep his feet in bounds, which at times this year with Gino at times in the, in the sake of being safe, he'll try to kind of throw the ball up out of bounds and not really give his player a chance to make the play. But Bobo, with maybe the catch of the year so far, not only catching the ball with one hand on his shoulder, but then showing the toe tag drag swag as he then is able to get that that toe tap down with the second foot and just get it in bounds. It's hard enough to make a one-handed catch. To make a one-handed catch when you then got to drag the feet in addition to that, Simply amazing. And this kid, Bobo Mania, it is alive and well. It isn't going away anytime soon. And we're going to have to start to talk about where this kid starts to fit into the Seahawks in the future because he's not going anywhere. And every single time you give him a chance to go out there and excel, he exceeds any expectations far beyond. I don't know what this kid can be in this league. I don't know necessarily what his future pretends. But I know he's been a hell of a player for us. And every time he's been given a chance, go to the scrimmage game where he led the team in catches, to every single preseason game where, where there was some flash of him, to even almost every single game this season, there's some moment that steps out to you go, oh, Bobo, here we go. Here we go. And the Seahawks receiving core is looking mighty, mighty deep for even just the future of this season as we are still en route to get back Eskridge and Derek Young. The team's actually going to have a real tough decision to make as we approach those looming dates here. This was a day where, absent the two rookie wide receivers, there's not a lot of great to talk about in regards to the Seahawks offense. Again, you were coming into it with this game down 
multiple offensive linemen. This has been a common theme. The Seattle Seahawks have had their full starting five offensive linemen for exactly two quarters of this season, and that would be the first two quarters of the year, which if I'm not mistaken, I think you had uh, scoring drives on every one of those drives with that opening five unit, and since then, it's been a patchwork in every single game. This game, down your center, down your right guard, down your right tackle. In fact, I think you were down your backup tackle and you were to stone foresight, your left tackle backup, trying to play the right side as this game wore along. And again, you saw an offense, even with the Cardinals defense that's not that stacked defensively, that was then going to struggle not having that line in place. Walker was able to get himself over 100 yards in this game, but it took him 26 attempts to get there. Only a four-yard per carry average, which is fine, and he did what, what he could do. There just wasn't any holes to be had. There were no lanes to be had. It was clogged up down there, and it wasn't even just, to my eyes, that the Cardinals were bringing down eight-man boxes and then challenging Geno to beat him deep. It was that they were getting it done at times with just seven-man fronts because you had guys up front that weren't getting any holes opened up for Walker to get anything done. It was just a commonality of this day. It made the Seahawks offense start to have to feel a little more one-dimensional if they were going to get anything done, I think, from Waldron's standpoint of things. And unfortunately, Geno and company were just not able to get enough done. Geno Smith, 18 of 24, 219 yards in this game, a nine-yard per attempt average, two touchdowns, one interception, and 113 rating. So on the surface of it, it looks like a a pretty solid day, right? Um, maybe not a lot of yards, but you look at him and go, well, that's an efficient performance at least. But this is a day where, again, you would have liked Geno to play a little bit better. I've been in the camp of being a Geno supporter, and I'm not knocking Geno to say he had a bad game. I don't. I think this is where we've got to get out of the place of overstating it to where it's like, good game, bad game, great game, horrible game. It's a game where he had some really good moments, started out perfect, but it was right after about that point where he almost threw the interception on JSN on third down where the day just got a little bit more shaky for him, and he wasn't as sure in his decision-making. And he had a really bad interception in this game that's one where that's the one you've got to control. You know, you can get around some of the other stuff that happens in this game, but that point where you're coming down at the end of this game, you're up by seven points, you're down inside the red zone, if I'm not mistaken, or close to it, and then Gino is on a third and five, and he's going to roll out to his left. Um, the play call wasn't the greatest from Waldron having a quarterback move to his left with limited options on a third and four. You're not needing it deep down the field. It was kind of a strange call. Bobo's running an out route. The cornerback is all over Bobo's out route. It's just not open in there. At that point, Gino's got to throw that ball away. And he would tell you this himself. I'm sure he's going to say it in his press conference. He's just got to, at that point, dirt it and lived another day because then you take the field goal, you're up by 10 points, and the game's basically over at that point. Instead, you gave the Cardinals some signs of life out of this game, gave them a little bit of breath of life in this game, and uh, you didn't have to. That's a place, Gino, you can't control. I understand he's under a lot of onslaught, and I would say he's going to get better as this year goes along. And once he gets a closer offensive line to full strength, I think Gino is going to take off, even with some of the tougher defenses that we might have on the foreseeable future coming up. I still think that he'll be able to get that done once the line is in better sorts, but he's got to help himself out as well. And he can't have these brain fart moments in these games where, okay, it's off the rails and now it's going to not only go off the rails, the whole train's going to go off the tracks. It can't be that. It's got to be limit when these things go bad, limit how bad it turns into. Instead, it sort of gets exacerbated. We had a red zone interception last week, a red zone interception in this game, another fumbled snap in this game later on. I can't necessarily put that all on Gino. You have a rookie backup center in there and you know the exchanges are always going to be a little bit wonky with the backup center. But he still just looked a little bit of times into that second half timid and unsure about what he wanted to do. 
And uh, again, not necessarily offensive coordinator Waldron's greatest game, but I do think that there's a little bit of this, that, that inhibiting factor of poor offensive line play a little bit. Quarterbacks not necessarily playing on his aim game. Down DK Metcalf. You didn't have any Charbonnet in this game. The red zone struggles did continue with that as you had moments in this game, like for instance, I think a first and goal from like the two yard line. You run it on back-to-back plays with Walker. That's exactly the kind of situation that you had set up this offseason to have a guy like Charbonnet in point to get the job done. Um, and instead, Charbonnet, of course, was injured in this game. And so that did just add, again, more to these red zone struggles we've seen so far. Much like I'm saying with Geno Smith, and I know that there are many that are going to post in my comments, I'm just being a homer here. We are coming off a win, I'll say that. But much like I'm saying with Geno Smith being improved once we see a more of a closer to full-strength offensive line, um, I do think, likewise, when it comes to our efficiency in the red zone, when we get back a guy like Charbonnet. And now we get back that line in place in addition to Charbonnet. And now you're going to be a little bit more effective to me when you get down inside that red zone, um, especially when you get down to like second and goal from the one or two yard line. If you have Charbonnet there, you probably pound that in. That's just not Walker's game. That's why, in part, you went out there and got Charbonnet to have a little bit of that thunder and lightning that you could attack with. Right now, you've only got the lightning. You got no thunder. I need some more thunder, please. God, more thunder now. Uh, offensively speaking across from this, the offensive line held up okay through the course of this game. Uh, Gino wasn't smacked a lot. The pass rush got a little bit more and more as the game wore along. Um, just they, it was what it was up there a little bit. You have Damian Lewis still coming back from injury. Charles Cross still rounding into shape. Three-fifths of your other offensive line out. So, you know, they had to make do with what they could. The two real big things, too, in addition to just how the performances were in this game that stood out is the de- defense and the spirit in this game. In, in the football is a game of momentum and game-changing turnovers can cause teams to get, you know, down on themselves. If something happens with the offense, if I'm a defense or the defense has, goes down and the offense just loses a little bit of its energy, that momentum factors in so truly. And there were a couple moments in this game, that fumbled snap with Gino, which put the defense in a, on a short field. The, uh, the, again, there was a later on earlier in the game against with DJ Dallas where he had the fumble snap, or not the fumble snap, but the fumble punt return. And they put him down on a short field in that situation. There was no quit in this defense today. There was no, oh, dang, the offense ain't getting it done, getting in their feelings, not keeping that effort towed right up to the line, not being as competitive as they could be throughout the course of this game, bringing it to this Cardinal offense, never giving an inch, never dialing off the pedal, keeping the pedal pushed all the way down. And I'm not talking by being blitz heavy or a pressure approach, but just never letting their guard fall in this game and that's why you came out of this win that's why you were able to hold this up in addition to how well they just played from a performative standpoint how you dealt with those turnovers normally you go into a game you're down 3-0 in the turnover battle you're probably going to lose that game regardless of anything else going on in it that basic stat alone is usually going to inform you when it's that that much of a difference between the two teams but not today and in large part because of the way you're in really main part because of the way your defense played and held up even when they were put in some tumultuous situations there with those short field. The other one we want to give a props to in this game, the guy that I think has got to get some props and, and gets his share of uh, shade from the fan base at this point. Not all, but there's some out there that definitely hammer him, especially on these kind of decisions. And that's Coach Carroll. Coach Carroll did what is very hard for coaches to do at times in the NFL, and that is the to have a tangible effect in the game in the way that you can see it uh, in, in their tactical approach to things. Yeah, coaches are going to have an effect on the game and helping out their coaches and getting things that they see in the game communicated to their assistants and likewise back to him and manage the game in that way. But you saw two clear moments in this game. Early on, there was a catch in the flat. Julian Love came up very fast and knocked the ball out. 
on what was ruled a fumble initially. And when he knocked the ball out, it went off the thigh of the running back and then bounced forward so that when the Cardinals recovered it, it went from being a third and five, third and six, to now a fourth and one. Or a fourth, fourth and six to a fourth and one. And so Coach Carroll, this is early in the game, decides to challenge this play, a play where it's not clear that they're going to overturn that. I mean, he's, he's, he's counting the fact that they're going to do it by the letter of the law where you got to get two feet down, football move, and then if it's knocked out before that, it's a fumble. He's hoping for that. But it's a big play because if the Cardinals have fourth and one there, they go for it. And maybe that's a play where they are able to sneak in and get an early touchdown from that situation. Instead, it's overturned. Now they're back in fourth and six. Now it's a no-brainer that they got to go for a field goal attempt instead. That was really big by Coach Carroll. That's not an easy challenge to make in that moment. A lot of coaches probably would have held on to it there because it's early in the game and you're trying to preserve those two challenges for later on. But Coach through caution to the wind, maybe saved his, his team seven points there um, instead of driving the three points the Cardinals were able to get. Carroll came back then again later on with an even bigger throwing of the red flag. He was the red flag king today. And that's on the Jake Bobo play. It's a touchdown. The, the throw comes in. The first replay, you look at it, you go, well, he might have gotten it in. I don't... Do you have your microscope? I need a... Or a telescope. One, I can't tell. But Carroll in that moment throws the red flag again. Says, hey, I think he caught that in. Review it. Look it up. I had people in my chat during my live stream show going, oh, another dumb coach, Carroll, red flag. Here we go, coach. And instead, that got you seven points back up on the board. Seven points off the board, potentially Cardinals to a three point. And he got himself a seven point by making those challenges there when he did. And understanding again that now he'd already used that one challenge on the first play. So when he makes that second challenge on the Bobo play, if that's not successful, he loses all challenges right? He has to be successful in that challenge to get it. He was successful. That had a big, big impact on this game and you coming out with this win and Coach Carroll's decision-making to go down that line here. So uh, awesome, awesome Coach Carroll. Uh, big praise and props to him in this game um, as well as props to getting this defense performing like they're performing this at this point versus where you started in that Rams game, which about couldn't be 180 degrees different in the other direction. The special teams did okay on their side of it. Myers held up, hit a couple of kicks, including a real clutch 48-yarder at the end of the game to give you the 10-point lead and take all hope away from the Arizona Cardinals. Michael Dixon got a punt inside the 20, did okay on the other side of it. I believe he averaged like 48 or so on the day, so he was fine. DJ Dallas had a really nice return where he was able to spin out and get upfield, but he also had a really, really bad fumble early in this game where you could have you had gotten the touchdown, you're getting the punt back, you could have been in a position with that offense starting to roll at that point, with them starting to get into the mix of things, start to get up by 14 points off those first two drives and just put this Cardinal team away instantly. But Dallas did have a pretty bad fumble there on that one where there's guy bodies flying around, just doesn't get two hands on the ball. The guy's able to rip it out for the fumble and give the Cardinal team some life and a little bit of momentum early on in this game. This is going to be a game that's going to have some of the Seahawks fan base very like Teddy KJB, like Teddy KJB, from uh, that poker movie saying, I feel so unsatisfied. And I get it. I do get it. People want to see a dominant effort. They expect going up against a team like this Cardinals who have one win on the season, who are going to be in contention for the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. They want to see you beat the doors off that team. They want to see a, a really shining effort across the board so that you can start to instill some confidence into this fan base that you're not merely going to be one and done, that you're not merely going to be a wild card team that will be knocked after the first round of the playoffs out of the playoffs. No, they want to see a contender, a team that can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Eagles and the Niners in this conference, that can maybe even push 
to getting back into that Super Bowl championship level, even into this year. And I understand that impatience and I get it. As I always say with this, let's just remember this is year two of the rebuild. Let's remember this is the third youngest roster in all of football. And let's actually take optimism that maybe they can get to that place you're wanting them to get to within that. Because it's a young team right now that's getting that seasoning. It's a young team right now getting its playing time, learning the ropes to where maybe that they get at the end of the year, they're playing at their best. Those second years guys getting another whole second year under their belt are playing at their best at that time. And you do have a deep team as they've shown already this year with so many injuries yet still find themselves at four and two. They have the depth to sustain themselves. There's no doubt about that. They've got the talent. There's no doubt about that. Now we just got to bring this finally fully together. We, we, we've seen the offensive times be dominant. We've seen the defensive times be dominant. We've seen the special teams pretty much be fairly dominant throughout where everything you're at. Now let's just bring it all together because God only knows what happens. If we get both the offense and the defense playing great at the same time, that happens. Look out, NFL. My name is Brandon Kane. This is the Hawks Nest. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe. But beyond all that, don't you ever forget, go Hawks.